everyone, and welcome to Avid Travel with Britton Frost. I just wanted to start off this episode by saying how grateful I am to be back in, in the podcasting studio and how, how grateful I am to be podcasting again. I was doing this podcast once a week for quite a bit of time and ended up taking a step back from it. Um, so being back here and being able to talk to all of you about cruising again is so exciting. Um, it's something that I'm really passionate about, and I hope that that you all will learn from me. And I, if, if this seems like an introduction of sorts, again, it's because I do want to just remind everyone, maybe some of you have come from here, but I did just join the Trav Market Media Podcast Network. Um, and for those of you who don't know what it is, that is just a network of podcasts for travel professionals. Um so there are a lot of good podcasts in the network, and I would encourage you to check them out, uh, especially, you know, most of them are geared toward travel advisors. Um, mine is a little bit more of a mix between advisor and consumer. Um, but yeah, a lot of good podcasts, so you can check out the network. I will link that in the description below there, because I know that I have a couple of people coming over from my websites as well. So because this is kind of a new a, a new start to this podcast. I want to do something that I call river cruising and ocean cruising 101s. So this is what you need to know before you go on a cruise or before your client goes on a cruise, what they're going to need to know. And so I thought that today we would start with something that's probably the most important thing in the decision-making process of booking or planning a cruise which is where to go because i think that oftentimes we look at we we tend to look at oh well what does this company offer and what does what are these excursions what do i want to do but i think that the most important thing first and when people come to me and ask me about which cruise line to take my first piece of advice is always well choose where you want to go first not only because cruise lines do different areas of the world. Some some do them better than others. And I, I will I'm willing to say that. But also, I mean, you're oftentimes limited by, you know, if you want to go to Africa, there are only a certain number of cruise lines who do those cruises. So I thought that today we would look at the top five itineraries for first time river cruisers. And next week we will be looking at the top five itineraries for first time ocean cruisers. I do want to say that I compiled this list based off of what I've seen, based off of the itineraries that I've done. But my first cruise, my first river cruise was a Mekong cruise. I was 14 years old and I sailed through Vietnam and Cambodia. And that turned me on to river cruising enough to make me want to, you know, be in the travel industry, quite frankly. And, and, and river cruising quickly became one of my most favorite ways to travel. So while this list, I think, gives a great overview of, of a lot of what uh, mostly European river cruising has to offer, um, there there are many, many other options. And maybe we'll do an episode in the future that's more exotic destinations. You know, we can talk about combining river cruises with safaris and, and doing Mekong. But there are so many options. But before we get into those options, here's a word from our sponsor. So 
we're going to take this list and and i will say that it's not in any particular order except for the last one that we're going to go over which is my number one recommendation for first-time river cruisers but i'm going to work backward um, because i, I want to start with talking about the Mississippi River. Oftentimes when we think about river cruises, our minds head straight to Europe. And I know it's because we've all seen those Viking commercials while we're watching Downton Abbey, you know, while we're watching PBS. But there are plenty of river cruises and coastal cruises that happen in our own backyards. Um, there are two main companies that run these cruises, American Queen Steamboat Company and American Cruise Lines. I wanted to talk about the Mississippi today because the Mississippi is the most famed river in the United States. And there are lower Mississippi itineraries and upper Mississippi itineraries, but I think that it's really important to talk about the Mississippi and talk about river cruising in the U.S., especially when we do have travel restrictions to Europe happening right now, uh, because there is a, a chance, and I would say a, a, a pretty significant chance, that travel within the United States is going to open back up before we are going to a be allowed into europe or b be comfortable you know for on on a plane for a long period of time and i'm not saying you know there are some people who would be willing to hop on a plane right now and fly from north carolina to california um but i do think that cruising within the u.s is a good option for people who may not feel comfortable going overseas right now or in general i know that there are a lot of people who don't have passports and and who really aren't interested in europe um so it's really the mississippi is a great option for those type of people you know there's also the opportunity to be able to drive if you live close to new orleans there are so many itineraries that go round trip from new orleans and so that way you could drive to new orleans and or make a road trip. I mean, even if you don't live close to New Orleans, Louisiana, you you could drive to New Orleans and then do that round trip cruise and go straight back to your car. Obviously, it doesn't really work that well the other way around if you're doing an itinerary that goes from New Orleans to Memphis because it's going to be hard to coordinate how to get uh get your car, get to and from your car. I do just want to talk a little bit about where these itineraries sail from, uh, because as I mentioned, there's the upper Mississippi and the lower Mississippi. And I'm going to start at, with talking about the upper Mississippi, because I think that oftentimes when we think about the Mississippi River cruises, we are thinking about that stretch that I mentioned earlier between New Orleans and Memphis. Um, but if you choose to cruise the upper Mississippi, those cruises are seasonal just because you are in the north of of the united states so usually those itineraries are only offered between june ish and october ish um so it does mean that your options there are a little bit more limited than one that may go year-round on the lower mississippi um the average itinerary length for these upper mississippi cruises is eight to nine days and the most common itineraries are between st louis missouri and st paul minnesota of course, there are a few itineraries that are, are different. So you might end in Ottawa, Illinois, which is near Chicago, um, or go to Red Wing, which is near Min Minneapolis, which is why I said that earlier. So there, there are quite a few combinations, but it's that, that stretch of the river. There are also combination cruises. So that's going to be 
way longer, you know, between 16 to 22 days almost um, that go from New Orleans to all the way up to Minnesota. So if someone is looking to do a longer trip, that's a great option um, to, to be on for almost a month. And I think that something that really sticks out to me about that itinerary is that you do get to see the, the culture of the South and you get to see plantations and you get to see all of this Southern culture and history, which may not be interesting to some people. Um, but then you also have this Northern culture, which is it's completely different. I mean, when you travel between certain states in the United States, it almost feels like you're in a different country sometimes. As someone who is from North Carolina, I really resonate with that, that when I go up north, I don't think that I have a southern accent, but people do. And so there, you know, there there are just all of these different things to see and the landscapes are so different. You get from flat near the Gulf of Mexico up and you, you know, as you go north, you go through, it's just things change so much on that stretch. It's a very long river. Um, and, and it goes through so many states. And so, yeah, there, there is the option to combine those as well. Um, but I, I did mention the lower Mississippi. We can talk about that for a second. I think that most people are pretty familiar with that portion of the Mississippi, which runs from New Orleans to Memphis. Um, and those cruises typically last between eight and nine days, but there are, are shorter cruises like the round trip New Orleans sailing that I mentioned that are about five to six days long. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much more about this, but I did want to dwell a little bit more on the Mississippi than on some of the other rivers that we might have heard more about. Um, you know, you also have Viking who has just announced their Mississippi river cruises. Uh, so there are plenty of options on the Mississippi. So I do think that this would be a really good itinerary for someone looking to river cruise for the first time, especially someone who may not be comfortable traveling outside of the United States. My second river is one that may not be as well known by Americans as the Mississippi River, but surely another famed river, which is the Seine in France. Now it is one of many rivers that can be river cruised in France. France. You have the Rhone cruises through the Loire Valley, um, Bordeaux area river cruises. So there are quite a few options in France, but today we are going to look at the Seine because that is probably the most well-known river, especially because on most Seine river cruises, you're going to begin and end your trip in Paris. And I think that that is the reason why this has made the list to me is that you get that Paris experience and something that so many people want to do that Paris is a city that so many people want to see. And the thing that I think is that's so great about river cruising, especially for people who are doing it for the first time, I know that it is a bit of a time commitment when you're looking at most cruises being about a week long, but they are really easy if you have the time to tack on to another trip. So let's say that you're flying into Paris and you really want to spend a couple of days in Paris. You can do that. You can do that. You can spend a week in Paris and then you can hop on this cruise, kind of get a feel for river cruising, take your time, go see some things outside of Paris, because that's also a good experience sometimes to get out of big cities and then go back to Paris 
and and spend a couple of more days there. So river cruises are very easy to tack on to a larger trip. And we'll talk about that again in a minute um, because there are some pretty short sailings that I want to uh, talk about just as, as far as kind of getting into river cruising since we are talking about first times there. Um, but I, I do want to mention that, you know, if you do ascend river cruise, if you do any river cruise, there are also always pre and post cruise extensions offered by the cruise company. Um, so that way you can book a hotel for a night or two or three. I mean, it is Paris after all, before your cruise departs, or you can just go ahead and do that through the cruise company and be able to do tours. But you know, on the Seine, there's so much more than Paris. You get to see Monet's gardens. You get to go to the beaches of Normandy. Uh, and, and there, there is just so much on the Seine. Uh, but I, I think that I would be remiss to talk about first time river cruises and not to mention the Seine, which is a, such a romantic and beautiful river that takes you into Paris or that you're starting in Paris. Uh, maybe you have to be transferred to the ship, but you do get that Paris experience. Okay, so the next river that I want to talk about is one of my personal favorite rivers to, to dream about, to look at, which is the Douro River, uh, which is in Portugal. So a lot of these trips are going to be round trip from Porto in Portugal, uh, but some of them are going to end in Spain. So about 125 miles east of, of Porto. So you do cover quite a stretch there, but it's easy to get back to Porto if you need to. Um, Douro River cruises are probably one of the river cruises that I get asked the most about uh, as of late because people are really interested in going to Portugal. And I will also say that as far as COVID is concerned right now, Portugal did open, of course, we can't go to Europe still, but Portugal did open up a lot sooner than some of the other countries in the European Union. Uh, and the Douro River cruises started back up pretty early on, you know, as early as June. So as far as COVID is concerned, that might be a good option. But I do want to talk about the Douro and not about COVID because I'm so tired of talking about COVID. And I'm sure that you all are as well, especially as travel people. It's not the, the brightest topic, but it is also important to talk about. So the Douro River is unique in that you can't sail on the Douro River at night. Most of the time when you're river cruising, you'll do a little bit of scenic cruising during the day. It depends on where you are. But most of the sailing that you do, like on an ocean cruise, you're doing at night so that you can really enjoy your time in the cities. You can enjoy your time in port. And then, you know, maybe on... River cruises is different with, than with ocean cruises because sometimes you get off the ship and then you take a bus and you meet the ship somewhere else a little bit further up the river. On the Douro, you have to do all of your sailing during the day. So that does mean that you're spending more time sailing during the day, but the Douro River Valley is so beautiful and it is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. You know, it's a wine producing region so it's just beautiful to sail throughout the day. 
Now I will also say that there are many other draws to the Douro other than beauty. You have, as I said, it's a wine producing region. You get the, these Spanish wines and these uh, Portuguese wines, port wines from Portugal, and you get kind of both of these influences. You get the Spanish influence and the Portuguese influence. And if you are a wine drinker, I am a wine drinker. Spanish reds are some of my favorite wines in the world. People in Portugal are also very friendly. When I went to Lisbon, I was so surprised by the hospitality of of everyone that I came in contact with. I went on a tour and somehow the tour conductor and I started talking about Sarah Brightman, who if you do not know who Sarah Brightman is, she is an opera singer. And he started talking, he got, he was very into Sarah Brightman and ended up giving me a limited release record of a single that she did. And it was just, I can't, I cannot find the record anymore and I cannot find it anywhere online. So the fact that he was willing to take this record out of his collection and give it to me was just very, such a sweet gesture. And whenever I think of Portugal, I think of that and I think of the warmth of the people there. And I do think, you know, that this is a really, really good option for first time river cruisers. Um, It's you're going to be working with a little bit smaller ship. uh, So you're going to have the intimacy there. And then because there is so much demand for the Douro River right now, you also have a lot of cruise companies who are introducing new ships or introducing Douro River itineraries. So they're really making these ships. Tauk has a new ship and they are really making these ships so that you can take in the views around you. Tauk's ship is amazing. It has all of this amazing space on the rooftop and really just so you can sit in and, and, and sail through the Douro River Valley and, and really sit outside and take in what's happening around you. And so I think this is a great option for first-time river cruises, especially those who who like wine, who like that Spanish and Portuguese culture, because it's very different than what you're going to get on the Rhine, the Danube, the Moselle, the Seine. You're getting a completely different culture there as well. And not to say that Germany and Austria and France don't have their own independent cultures, but I think that that Spanish and Portuguese culture is so different um, from a lot of the rest of Europe. And so it kind of feels like you're going to Europe, but I know that whenever I go to Spain or whenever I go to Portugal, I feel like I'm somewhere else. Uh, It doesn't feel like the Europe that I also often travel to. It feels a little bit separated. So that's interesting and fun. So second to last, I want to talk about the Rhine River. The Rhine takes guests through Netherlands and France and Germany and Luxembourg. And I think that like the Danube, which I'll talk about in a second, the Rhine is a really great River, And I would say that, you know, I, I said that these are in no particular order except for the last two or last couple. And I think that it does go in this order that the Rhine is first. And I know I kind of spoiler alerted the Danube is going to be next. But on the Rhine, you do get to see Amsterdam and you get to see Basel. And, you know, 
you get to go to these big cities. The Rhine is so beautiful because you get to see all of these castles as you go by. It's a great place to bicycle. There are a lot of paths and bike roads. Um, It's really easy to bike and catch up with your river cruise ship. You know, if you talk to the captain first, you can take off a bike and, and bike to the next port or or see when the cruise is going to be where. And then it's also great for beer and wine as well. I know that I mentioned wine in the last one and a lot of river cruising. We are going to talk about wine um, just because they're, you know, Europe, good wine, good beer, especially on the Danube when we start talking about Germany. Um, but most of the, I would say all of the major river cruise companies offer Rhine river cruises because the Rhine is probably one of the most, uh, one of the most traveled rivers in Europe, um, along with the Danube. I do want to talk about Christmas cruises as well. When I talk about the Rhine, because I think that a lot of times a Christmas cruise is a really good way to introduce people to river cruising because you have this familiar tradition of Christmas and you have this Christmas spirit and then you can take it and see how other cultures celebrate Christmas. You get to see these beautiful Christmas markets. I will say though, as someone who is from North Carolina, doing a Christmas cruise on the Rhine, it's very cold. So prepare for that if if that's your plan of attack but also summer spring fall you know in springtime you have the tulip time cruises those are going to happen on the rhine as well and you'll go through the netherlands um so the rhine is just a really great option and there are so many itineraries to choose from as i mentioned you have christmas cruises you have tulip time cruises you also have a different number of days you end in Basel or you start in Basel you start in Amsterdam or you end in Amsterdam and so like I mentioned with the Seine it's really easy to add pre and post cruise tours whether it's on your own through a cruise company through a tour company and be able to spend a couple of more a couple more days in in those big capital cities um so I think that that is a enough of the draw you know and when we went to Amsterdam one of the excursions that I did on one of my Rhine cruises was a canal cruise in Amsterdam but I had a friend who was Jewish and this was on a Christmas cruise in fact and she decided that she wanted to go to the Anne Frank house in Amsterdam and so Amsterdam has a lot of wonderful museums oftentimes I feel like river cruising can be used as a way to transport you through Europe, you can go, you can cruise in comfort, you know, you you only have to unpack one time. And then well, unless you do a pre or post cruise tour, but that's okay, you have you have uh, usually eight days, but it is a really, really good opportunity to see some of these bigger cities and and use the river cruise, use the river boat to get you from place to place and and do things on your own if you so wish. And then also you have these great tours. Yeah, but we're going to talk about the Danube now because the Danube is my number one recommendation for first time river cruises. Not only does the river take guests on the road less traveled, you know, almost through 
these smaller towns and villages that you might not have heard of. But you also get to visit three European capitals on most itineraries. You get to go to Budapest, Vienna, Budapest, Hungary, Vienna, Austria, and Bratislava, Slovakia. There are also a ton of shorter itineraries on the Danube as well, which I know that I mentioned. There are a few that go round trip from Vienna, um, but there there are plenty of short options. So if someone just, if, if you are traveling to Vienna because you want to go to Vienna and you want to see Vienna, do you can do a cruise round trip from Vienna and book your flights round trip from Vienna. So there are a lot of options on the Danube as well. When I talk about the Danube right now, I am talking about the upper Danube, which is the section that goes from Germany to Hungary to Budapest. Uh, most cruises are going to start in the south of Germany, take you through Austria. Maybe you'll stop off in Slovakia and then you'll go on to Hungary. Uh, when you look at the lower Danube, you look at this stretch of the Danube that goes from Budapest to the Black Sea. Those itineraries are a lot fewer and further between. And I do think that the lower Danube is a great river cruise, but I wouldn't suggest it as much for a first time river cruiser. When you do the upper Danube, you really get this quintessential river cruise experience. It is the most popular river cruise itinerary. I mean, when you dock in Hungary, you'll see so, so, so many river boats and all up and down the rivers. So it, just that alone shows how popular it is. But again, it's so nice to be able to bookend that trip, especially ending in, in Budapest, which I think is probably one of my favorite cities in the world. On the Danube, you also have the option to do Christmas market cruises. There are Oktoberfest cruises. Uh, one of my favorite excursions on a Danube River itinerary is the opportunity to go to Salzburg. As someone who started watching The Sound of Music when I was just three years old, going and seeing where parts of the movie were filmed and being able to see the steps where they sang, Do Re Mi was one of my favorite, favorite river cruise opportunities that I've had um, so far. And so I think that the Danube is a really, really good option for first time river cruisers. And if you have people, I do want to give a shout out right now, because if you have people who are looking, who have been ocean cruising and want to go on a river cruise, on the Danube, you do have Ama Magna, which is a ship from Ama Waterways. Um, that is a double wide river cruise ship. So it affords you a little bit more room in the cabins than some of the other river cruise ships. You have a couple more dining options and that width is really, really just so apparent. And the reason that that ship can sail the Danube is because the locks on the Danube are double width. And so that is the only river where that is really going to be possible um, because otherwise you have to navigate through locks and you, you, you're, you're restricted in how wide your ship can be based off of that. So when we look at the Danube, you know, other people might follow suit with Amal Waterways. So that's a really, I'll, I'll link this article in the description, which is called, is Ama Magna the best choice for first time ocean river cruisers who are looking to go from ocean 
Um, so I will link that in the description as well. But I know that there are a lot of people who are looking to, to go from ocean to river cruising. And so that's a good option. And then also I'm going to link an article in the description as well about Viking and the continuity between Vikings, river, and ocean ships. And Viking will also do some combination itinerary. So if you have a client, if you have gone on a Viking ocean cruise and really liked it, uh, it might be might be a good option to just go straight from the Viking Ocean to the Viking River product, um, just so that you do have that continuity. Same with Crystal, of Crystal Ocean and Crystal River Cruises. So there, there are quite a few options there. And today I just wanted to give a quick overview of some of the itineraries that I think are the best for first-time river cruisers. And, you know, if you have your own comments on what you think are the best itineraries for first-time river cruisers, then please leave that in the comments. Over the next few weeks, we're going to do a couple more things that deal with first-time river cruising and first-time ocean cruising. As I said, next week we'll be looking at the best ocean cruise itineraries for first-time ocean cruisers. Um, and then we'll look at things like what are water levels? Why do they matter? Is my cruise going to be canceled? We're going to look at gratuities. What's included in my cruise fare. So we'll go through all of these things to help us either help ourselves or help other people make informed decisions on which cruise company is right for them, which itinerary is going to be right for them. And honestly, even between river and ocean cruising, which is going to be right, which is going to be the right fit because they are so different. So I will see you all next Tuesday and I hope you have a great week. Mm -hmm.